What's up, everyone? Welcome to the latest episode of Note to Scene. This week, we got new music from Waterparks, Vale Maya, a radio rundown, and part two of our deep dive on the rise of architects. You can listen to the official Note to Scene radio show over at 94.3 The X in Colorado every Saturday night from 8 to 10 p.m. local time. If you want to check it out and you're not in the area, you can download the station's app. Just search 94.3 The X in the App Store and tune in this Saturday. If you have any comments, questions, or requests for deep dives, email me at notetoscene at gmail.com. All right, let's get started. So Waterparks have released a new song titled Snow Globe, which is off their upcoming album Greatest Hits that is due out May 21st through 300 Entertainment. The song is very lo-fi pop-centered, which I actually found somewhat enjoyable. I found Austin pretty insufferable ever since we started covering the band at Alt Press back in the day, and his presence just generally makes my eyes roll so hard that they almost fall out of my head. So to see him dial it back here and serve the song for what it is, I don't hate it. Is it a hit? I don't think so, but hopefully with a push from 300, they'll be able to make up some ground on radio. Remember, 300 isn't a major, they're still an indie, but they're home to artists like Megan Thee Stallion and Young Thug and claim to have the quote-unquote muscle of a major. So we'll see. And other new music news, Veil of Maya have released a new song called Viscera. Didn't come with any official album announcement, but it's presumed to be taken from their upcoming full length, which was previously scheduled for an early 2021 release, but that remains to be seen. Viscera is a roller coaster of proggy, techy, glitchy modern metalcore with a huge hook. This band has been busting out bangers after every album ever since Lucas Magyar joined as their vocalist, and I'm incredibly excited to hear what they have in store for this next album. All right, on to our radio rundown. On our all-time low tracker update, we have them at number 18 on Top 40 Radio, up 5.5% in plays. Number 4 on Alternative Radio, basically breaking even in plays. And they're up to number 55 on the Hot 100. Another week, another new peak. As long as we keep these radio plays up, we'll keep climbing. Slow Burn is definitely the name of the game here. MGK and Black Bear have officially broken the top 10 on Top 40 Radio with My Ex's Best Friend at number 10, and they're up 4% in plays. On Alternative Radio, they have officially reached number 1, giving MGK his second number 1 alt-radio single from his pop-punk album. Nothing Nowhere breaks even in chart position and plays at number 18 this week, while Modson and Avril Lavigne break the top 20 at number 20, up over 6.5% in plays. Mod is trying to mobilize his fans like crazy to keep this song climbing. And right now, everything is still looking up. Over at Rock Radio, we might have to call it on Ask Alexandria's They Don't Want What We Want. After peaking at number 7, it's down to number 10 this week and dropping over 7% in plays. I think it's time to sell and get out while you can on this one. Bring Me the Horizon's teardrops drops from 11 to 12, decreasing just slightly in plays. It's never a good sign to see a drop, but this isn't enough to say the song is done yet. Architects are at number 13, up nearly 5% in plays. There's a chance they will break the top 10 over the next few weeks, and it looks like Ask Alexandria is one of the bands they're going to pass to get there. 
All right, so on to our deep dive. So last week we left off in our two-part Architects deep dive at the here and now. We have a ton to get through this week, so I'll keep this intro brief. This was an incredibly polarizing time for not only the band's fans, but themselves as well. They did not like that album, and they kept the cycle short because of it. The two notable moments during the Here and Now's run was that bassist Alex Dean left the band in February 2011 and then came back in July. He released a statement when he came back where he said, I'm very happy to be able to say that I'm back. Being able to stay at home for the past few months has given my family and I the opportunity to adjust what happened last year, and I know it's done all of us a lot of good. Casey Lagos from Stick to Your Guns filled in for Dean while he was away. And the second notable moment of the Here and Now cycle was that Architects served as support for Bringing the Horizon on their international There is a Hell tour. That run took them across multiple continents from early spring to the end of summer. They played alongside Parkway Drive, The Devil Wears Prada, Deez Nuts, Tech One, and others. And then, at the beginning of December 2011, Architects released a new song called Devil's Island. This is the beginning of Architects' second era, and what ultimately led them to what we know them as today. Devil's Island is a combination of Hollow Crown and the here and now. Metalcore Architects meets Huge Hooks Architects. And although the song is somewhat vague in its meaning, it's one of the first times they tried to make some sort of commentary on the world around them. But this song is what began pushing Architects in the right direction again. Their next album, Daybreaker, was recorded throughout January and February 2012 with producer Ben Humphreys, who also worked on both Ruin and Hollow Crown. So it makes sense that for the band's return to form album, they went with someone who worked on their previous form with. So Devil's Island was the first single to come out, and they dropped a fairly unknown B-side at the time, just called Untitled. It was never included on an album and isn't on Spotify, but it's an incredibly poignant alt-rock, almost post-hardcore song. One of the lines in the hook foretells a lyric that is one of the best-known architect lines to date. Sam sings, I won't thank God, I'll thank my friends for sticking by till we're home again. What matters most to me belongs to you. Hope is a dangerous thing. Which for any fan of the band takes you right to the Gone with the Wind line. That is, hope is a prison, but we're going to get to that in a few. So the album is recorded, and in March of 2012, they dropped a song that really put them on track to become what they are today. These colors don't run. You see, by 2012, a lot of scene kids were already getting tired of the Risecore era, and they were looking for something else. This song wasn't huge when it came out, but I do think Architects filled a hole for some kids that were left searching for something else after Genericore began to phase itself out. These Colors Don't Run was a metalcore onslaught of commentary on the political and monetary structures that America stands on. At the time, Tom said it was meant to, quote, capture the madness that is America, be it good or bad, to get people thinking and talking, because in the land of the free, you know nothing comes for free. I'll never forget listening to the song for the first time, sending it to one of my buddies back home, and us both not being able to get over how good it was. I remember I had a boombox that summer, and we would find different areas to skate around at, and we blasted this song over and over and over. And on top of all of that, while this wasn't the first time we ever heard a bleh, or something that resembled a bleh, it was the first time it was this pronounced and highlighted. The Pig's Breakdown is still in my top 10 favorite breakdowns of all time. 
The next single came in May and was Alpha and Omega. This and these colors are an interesting one-two single combo looking back because it really set the tone of Architect's themes of religion and the state of the world that they've been covering ever since. But Alpha is interesting because it doesn't necessarily come outright and propose the idea that God or some higher power doesn't exist really just provides commentary on humanity's interpretation of what God is or isn't and what it wants or doesn't want. In the second verse and pre-chorus, Sam screams, No light, no dark, no ups, no downs. I'll find peace buried in the ground. The lights go out, the fuse is blown, no heaven or hell to bring me home. You say we'll burn in hell, a spiteful preacher, I know you well. This is directed at a human element, preachers, pastors, and leaders of the church. I grew up going to a Lutheran church pretty much every single weekend of my entire childhood. Lutheran is a denomination of Christianity, which there are quite a few of. The spiteful preacher angle strikes a chord for sure. I mean, you go to church and guilt is leveraged on you to try to convince you how much you need God because you're such a horrible person. But then you also have the opposite side, which is the prosperity gospel, which has become pretty big in televangelism over the last decade or so. Joel Austin has really led the charge in this. It's the idea that your well-being from health to monetary prosperity is based on belief in God, positivity, and tithing, which is giving a monetary offering to the church, which is angled as giving money to help spread the word of God. And those are only two takes on just Christianity out of a seemingly endless amount. But since so much of Architect's career revolves around belief or non-belief in God, I wanted to try and boil the concepts they're talking about down a little bit. At this point in my life, I believe that God exists, but after that, everything's pretty much up in the air. But anytime a secular band has lyrics or themes that cover religion, it instantly catches my attention. But Alpha and Omega was the final lead-up single for Daybreaker. The album was released near the end of May in 2012 through Century Media. It was a big win for the band. After creating a ton of inner and outer turbulence with their last album, The Here and Now, they managed to bridge the gap between their heavy fans and those who actually did enjoy the previous album with a monster LP of metalcore that felt like a breath of fresh air at that point in the scene. It didn't break the top 200 in the US, but it debuted at number 42 on the UK equivalent chart with around 3,200 units, which is solid for an album like this. Unlike how they made the here and now cycle incredibly brief, they went all out for Daybreaker. Leading up to it, they toured across Europe with Touche Amour, Rise Against, Rolo Tomasi, and Stray from the Path. They spent the spring playing numerous festivals like La Boue Noir in France, Gras Rock Festival in Belgium, Slam Dunk in Leeds. Summer Blast in Germany, and more. After that, they played even more high-profile festivals during that summer throughout Europe, and then embarked on what they called their Almost World Tour. They played legs in Southeast Asia, Australia, North America, and Europe over the course of more than three months, which is what their fantastic documentary, 100 Days, The Story of Architects Almost World Tour is about. That is easily in my top three favorite scene, DVD, films, documentaries of all time, and I encourage everyone to watch it. It perfectly captures the ups and downs of being in a quote-unquote established band, even though you're not even making enough money to live on your own. 
that's a wonderful snapshot of where the band was at nearly a decade ago and really shows how much they've persevered over their nearly two decades as a band. But what's even more interesting is that Daybreaker was kind of an ultimatum point for the band in the United States. In a 2013 interview with Absolute Punk, they said they were tired of losing money on US tours and were about ready to give up on America. But they still push forward, supporting Inner Shikari on their North American headliner alongside Cross Faith, and then they spent the summer on the only Warp tour they ever played. To give some context to their size at that point, they were playing the Monster Stage, which as most of you know is for heavy bands that can't draw enough to play the main stage, which is where Bring Me the Horizon dominated that year. I watched Bring Me play from what felt like two football fields back in Chicago that year, while you could pretty much just walk through most of Architect's crowd. But they tripled down in the fall and co-headlined another North America tour with Protest the Hero. They were averaging around 600 caps date to date on that run, and it was a co-headliner, which just further showed how little their reach in the States was at that point. Architects played the final date on the Daybreaker cycle on January 11th, 2014 at Sarang Culture Festival, which was their first show ever inside India. During this cycle, however, is when their contract with Century Media came to an end. They've actually revealed that the relationship they had frayed to the point where they were having daily fallouts with the label. Near the middle of October 2013, the band had announced that they signed to Epitaph. They released a collective statement for the signing where they said, It's an absolute honor to join a label that houses the best roster in the genre. We're also stoked to have signed deals with UNFD and Australia and New Damage Records in Canada. This is a whole new chapter for Architects, and we're stoked to have such a great team behind us. It was around that time that they were recording what would be their next album, Lost Forever, Lost Together. They went with producers Henrik Oud and Frederick Nordstrom, who have most notably worked with Melodeath bands like In Flames and At The Gates, as well as who we talked about in a separate two-part deep dive last year, Bring Me The Horizon. Architects also worked with producer Randy Slaw, who has oversaw production from everyone for Periphery to Skillet, but Architects used him to create the orchestral layers of the album, which he did with an eight-person orchestra. Lost Forever, Lost Together is 100% a metalcore album, but the utilization of strings and orchestral elements creates so much atmosphere and elevation behind the metallic onslaught that the final sound comes across as nearly haunting, almost apocalyptic, which they've only furthered and damn near perfected in 2021. It may not seem like a huge portion of the music on a casual listen, but if you were to take away the orchestra from Architect's albums, you'd have completely different sounding records. And this is where Architect really began perfecting string arrangements into their sound. Lost Together, Lost Forever was officially released on March 11th, 2014 through Epitaph. It sold around 2,900 units first week in the US and debuted at number 16 on the UK's top 200 equivalent chart, which was a huge look and the biggest of their career at that point. There weren't any huge breakout songs on this album, but it was truly solid through and through and set the stage for what they would do on their next album. But the vicious gravedigger, the blistering naysayer, and blunt aggression of Broken Cross all continue to stand out in the band's catalog to this day. 
They kicked off the touring cycle with a 15 country tour all throughout Europe that lasted from the beginning of March through the middle of April. From the end of April through May, they came over to the U.S. for a co-headline tour with Let Live, who were out in support of The Black is Beautiful. They had Glass Cloud and I the Mighty as support. Although the venues weren't even cracking a thousand caps, architects found the run successful enough to justify continuing to push themselves in the U.S. Sam called it a, quote, far cry from their earlier U.S. tours. After this, they spent the summer on the European festival market, including a set at that year's Reading and Leeds. Throughout the rest of 2014, they went on a Canadian tour with Stray from the Path, Being as an Ocean, and My Ticket Home. Then they came back to the U.S. to finish out the year, supporting Every Time I Die and The Ghost Inside alongside 100th and Backtrack. Then, to start 2015, they went on a European tour with Every Time I Die, Bless the Fallen Counterparts. Then, as soon as the cycle started, it was over, and the band began demoing for their next album in June of 2015, and by the fall they were in the studio again with Oud and Nordstrom in Sweden. Recording took place over the course of roughly seven weeks, and in that time they created what would be their seventh album, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. This record is like Lost Forever, Lost Together on steroids, which makes sense between the band returning to work with the same producer set in the same studio and location, and they were actually happy with where their previous efforts had landed them. It all came together to be the perfect move for the band. All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us cemented Architects as a force in modern metalcore and even a little beyond. This blistering metallic aggression coupled with loads of atmosphere and ascension, these apocalyptic themes of death and God and anger and more. This is one of the best metalcore albums of the last decade. A Match Made in Heaven was the first single to be released, a succinct metalcore rager that offers disapproval at governments waging wars while society crumbles under the weight of tyrants in political office. The second single was Gone with the Wind, and it came on April 11th. This is probably my favorite Architect song of all time. The winding riffs and ridiculous production value give way to a heart-wrenching theme of hope and how having it can destroy you. I remember the day this song came out, and I didn't fully understand it at the time, but the breakdown line, do you remember when you said to me, my friend, hope is a prison, was so wild coming directly after the scene's hope core phase. You had bands like We Came As Romans and The Color Morale peddling the quote-unquote hold on to hope message at every turn. Then you have a band like Architects who had never bought into a sound trend, except maybe at the very beginning when they were doing the Dillinger MySpace core thing. But when every band went left, they didn't even necessarily go right. They just made the music they wanted to. And when they made something they didn't like, they came back and turned the table over until they made something that they did like. And here they're going in the complete opposite direction thematically with something that takes a little to unpack. I never thought of hope as a negative until I heard this song. The thought behind it is that hope changes nothing and that you're sacrificing whatever you or another person has left on hoping that their time here will be longer. Instead of simply enjoying that time, being present and living it to the fullest possible extent, hope can put you inside a box. Personally, I don't fully agree with the sentiment, but the amount of times I've spent contemplating every side of it has been extensive to say the least. It's a hell of a weight to unpack, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Loss and grief, or even just the expectation of them, are personal experiences that everyone interprets differently. 
Anyways, I didn't mean to go off on that much of a sidebar, but there are so many of these moments in architects' music that sometimes it's necessary to unpack their interpretations. So after Gone with the Wind, they dropped Downfall on May 20th, 2016, and then a week later, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us was officially out through Epitaph and UNFD. Again, although it wasn't a huge number, they sold around 6,000 total units first week in the US and set a new personal best over here. And in the UK, they debuted at number 15 on the album's chart, which although was only one spot up from Lost Forever, Lost Together, was still a huge look. Before the album dropped, Architects had announced a North American headlining tour for that summer with support from counterparts Sworn In and Make Them Suffer. It was scheduled for July and into August, but that run never happened. They officially canceled it on June 17, 2016, citing a family emergency. At that point, we didn't know what that meant. Here's the statement that was released on behalf of the band at the time. Due to a family emergency, architects are forced to cancel their upcoming North American tour. They hate to let you guys down and would appreciate all of your understanding and support. The band would like to ask you respect their privacy during this difficult time. Refunds will be given at point of purchase. Then the band went silent for about the next two months. And then on August 20th, 2016, it was announced that Tom had died of cancer at the age of 28. His brother and drummer in the band, Dan, revealed the news in an official statement on social media. It is with unbelievable pain and sadness that I have to announce that at around 12 minutes past midnight on August 20th, my amazing brother Tom passed away after over three years living with cancer. He was an incredible songwriter and guitarist. He was my closest and oldest friend. He was a funny, intelligent, and sweet man, and he leaves an enormous void in all of our lives. Many of you will be aware that Tom has been absent from various shows over the past 15 months, and I can now let you know that this was due to various surgeries that he had to have to treat the cancer. When we left for our European festival tour on June 2nd, Tom was very unwell. He had been advised to stay in hospital to receive care, but ultimately there was nothing they could do for him, and he signed himself out of the ward two days before we departed for Germany. Some of you might view this as reckless, but this is the way Tom wanted to do things throughout his last year because he never wanted the cancer to get in the way of what he loved. He got on stage and performed his last two shows at Rockem Ring and Rockem Park, which took him an incredible amount of strength, but those are two shows that we will never forget. We had to cancel our European festival tour and U.S. headline tour because on June 8th in Luxembourg, Tom was extremely sick. We called an ambulance and he was taken into ICU. The following day, he was placed into a medically induced coma and the doctors told us it was unlikely that they'd ever be able to wake him. Then, five days later, against all odds, he was awake again and in a few short days following that, myself and Tom canceled the air ambulance that was due to take him home and we got the Eurostar train home classic Tom Searle. He spent the last two months of his life fighting with everything he had to overcome the disease once and for all, and things appeared to be moving in the right direction, but in the last two weeks it suddenly took a turn for the worse and finally he left us. I don't know what will become of Architects. Me and Tom started playing in this band together when we were 13, and really, Architects is just an evolution of the band that we started all the way back then, over half my life ago. To pretend that Tom wasn't at the heart of everything that the band created would be to show a complete lack of respect to the amazing talent that he was. The band will never be the same, and there is simply no denying it.
We will 100% tour on All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. There is no doubt about that. We will be going to Australia in a few weeks, and we will be doing our UK and European headline tour in October and November. We hope that these shows will be an opportunity for everyone out there to show their respects to my wonderful brother. It won't be easy for us to get on stage and play every night without him, but it's something that we must do. We want to carry on. That is important to say, and we will strive to do so, but we will not release any music unless we truly believe that it is something that Tom would have been proud of. Whether or not we can achieve that is something that we will have to discover in time. The Martlets Hospice in Hove took unbelievable care of Tom in his final days. We were constantly blown away by their compassion and hard work, and we feel hugely indebted to them for ensuring that we were able to make some amazing memories with Tom before he passed away. If you feel as though you'd like to contribute a donation to the hospice in Tom's memory, then please donate on the Just Giving page that we have set up below. For now, we need to begin to process what has happened. Myself, Sam, Allie, and Adam will need time to fully come to terms with the loss of our brother, and we hope that everyone out there will continue to respect our privacy during this terribly difficult time. Much love, Dan. Oh shit, that is a hard one to go back and read. According to Metal Hammer, Tom had surgery done that year to remove a cancerous section from his lower leg. It was successful and he was given the all clear, but the cancer eventually returned. Fans raised over $41,000 for the Martless Hospice, the UK facility that provided care for Tom. If you remember from the episode last week, that's where the funds from the 2005 demo auction went as well. As Dan said in his statement, the band played their scheduled Australian and European dates with Sean DeLander of Die Art is Murder filling in for Tom on the Australian leg and Josh Middleton of Silosis filling in on the European leg. Middleton later became the band's permanent lead guitarist. In March and April of 2017, they rebooked their North American headliner with support from Stray From The Path and Make Them Suffer. In March, Dan did an interview with Daniel P. Carter on his Someone Who Isn't Me podcast and revealed that he and Tom wrote new songs together for Architect's next album before Tom died. During that time before and after that, they had been writing more music around what Tom had wrote. And on September 6th, Architects released a song called Doomsday. Dan confirmed that the song was one that Tom had worked on before he died but didn't finish. It's a heart-wrenching track full of winding post-hardcore and metalcore-esque structures, and it quickly became the band's most popular track and, and rolled out the red carpet for what would be their first album following Tom's death. They announced in early September 2018 that the record would be called Holy Hell and that it would drop on November 9th via Epitaph. The single Hereafter also dropped alongside the album's announcement. It's like if constellations or something larger than life could have emotions and liked heavy music and were sad, this is what they would listen to. I mean, the utilization of strings and orchestral elements again here creates such a larger than life feel to this song and it is just incredibly sad. They released two more singles, Royal Beggars and Modern Misery, in October before dropping the album on November 9th. At this point, this was the most fully realized sound Architects ever had. They had mastered their atmospheric, otherworldly take on modern metalcore, and what's even more wild is that they produced it completely in-house. They didn't use anyone other than themselves. 
And real quick, I just got to shout out The Seventh Circle. That is by far the heaviest song they've ever written. I run to that song all the time, and I swear it improves my mile time by a whole minute if I just leave it on repeat. So the album did around 8,000 units first week in the U.S., making it their highest first week tally ever in the States. Leading up to the album, following the release of Doomsday, the band played a sold-out show at Alexandra Palace in London, which is a 10,000 cap. I mean, just think about a band like Architects and the way that they sound selling out a 10,000 cap venue. If you were there that night, you witnessed something truly special for this band. And if you go and watch any video from the show on YouTube, you can feel what it was like. This cycle was huge for Architects. They did a North American headline tour with support from The Art Is Murder and While She Sleeps and finally upped their caps to House of Blues level in the States. It's still wild to think about how they were playing 10,000 caps in the UK and they had just broken into the 1,000 plus cappers in the US. But they played a ton of the Danny Wimmer festivals in the US that summer, including Sonic Temple, Welcome to Rockville, Epicenter, and Louder Than Life. They played dates in Russia, Ukraine, UK, and various places across mainland Europe. The band played the biggest shows of their career pretty much everywhere they went in comparison to the caps that they were playing on previous cycles. And then the pandemic hit and everything went silent for a while. But then all of a sudden on October 20th, Architects roared back to life with a monster of a single called Animals and it's been a rocket ship ride ever since. When they dropped the song, they had around 720,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. They currently have over 2.2 million and have only increased since the release of this song. Next came Black Lungs, which to me is easily top five architect songs all time. Then the ballad Dead Butterflies and the modern Linkin Park core rager Meteor, which led us to last week and the release of the ninth Architects album, For Those That Wish To Exist. This is probably the most important scene album to come out in the last five years. The band are successfully pushing themselves to the next level of their career sonically, all while delivering a message reflecting where humanity stands in the world today. Dan released a statement in a press release before the record dropped saying, This album was me looking at our inability to change to a way of life that would sustain the human race and save the planet. I wanted to look in the mirror and ask ourselves the question of what are we going to do, as opposed to trying to point the finger at politicians. Change has to start on a personal level. The world has developed a culture of wanting someone else to deal with it when we need to take our own responsibility. It has to start there. The way they conveyed this sense of apocalyptic urgency throughout the course of this album is something I've literally never felt from music before. The atmosphere is uneasy, it makes you think, it makes you fearful, it makes you angry. Discourse is Dead has the incredible line, do you really think Christ was a capitalist? Every man for himself, let thy neighbor drown, amen. I got chills when I heard that for the first time and I literally just got chills reading it. Flight Without Feathers is a 2021 sequel to Heartburn from the here and now and I know the band definitely doesn't want to hear that but that's exactly what it is and it's a fucking banger. I've never heard a song quite like Goliath before, the way it traverses different tensions all while feeling completely coherent and Simon from Biffy Clyro gives a showstopper vocal performance. I can confidently say for those that wish to exist will be one of the best rock and metal albums to be released this year, and it is going to catapult this band to heights that they never saw coming. Right now, it's competing to be the number one album in the UK during its first week. 
We'll have an update on that during the next episode. And that does it for our two-part Architects Deep Dive series. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions for deep dives, email me at notetoseen at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Note to Scene on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please drop a review on iTunes. I'd appreciate it very much. Until next week, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon.